Coming up on the FSR Sark Fighter podcast, fellow Sark Fighter Craig Lipset couldn't figure out why he was slowing down. I was avoiding walking upstairs and instead taking the elevator. These, these little changes. I just assumed I was getting out of shape. Craig fought back against the disease in his own body and then began fighting for the rest of us. Right, I knew the community, the medical community. I could call the chief of radiology at Mass General. I knew my way around. And yet still, it took me months to figure out what was going on. And so that was my journey, and at least part of my journey to how I I wound up uh, certainly getting connected with FSR. Coming up, hear how Craig joined the board of directors for FSR and everything else you need to know about Sarcoidosis Awareness Month. This is the Sark Fighter Podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hello and welcome to episode 84 of the FSR Sark Fighter Podcast. I'm your host, John Carlin. This episode brought to you by Atire Pharmaceuticals. To learn more about their new pulmonary sarcoidosis trial, EFSOFIT, visit stopsarcoidosis.org slash ATIRE trial, and there is a link in the show notes. And I am pleased to tell you that FSR is grateful to ATIRE Pharma for their sponsorship of Awareness Month, which is the month of April here in 2023. Today on the podcast, I'll be talking with three people. Angela O'Malley is the Director of Development at FSR, Kathy Davis, Senior Communications and Marketing Manager, and Craig Lipset, who we heard from just briefly at the beginning, is a fellow SARC patient and a member of the Board of Directors of the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. And he'll be wearing his patient hat and his board hat today as he discusses the various ways that sarcoidosis has impacted his life. And we're going to learn a lot more about the the what the board's mission is and his role on the board, wearing that hat, if you will, to, uh, to find out uh, how important it is to have a strong organization if we intend to fight against sarcoidosis, and and it takes a lot. You've got to have a lot of different infrastructure in place to make that work. To make companies look at sarcoidosis and say, "Wow, that is that that is something that I think I want to help people with." But if we're going to invest all this money, there's got to be a way to get it done. And the way to get it done is to work through organizations that have all the things in place that they need so that they can proceed with this type of research. So Craig is going to share more of his story, uh, his path of feeling badly through diagnosis and eventually finding his way to the current leadership position he has guiding everything that I just talked about. And the takeaway I hope you'll get from today's discussion literally is how complicated it is to navigate the waters of research, how critical a strong foundation is to the people who may want to find a new drug, a new therapy, and how that strong organization helps. And And I think that, that through all of this, you, you're going to find that 
We are, in fact, at FSR, a very strong organization. I say we uh, in my capacity as a volunteer. And, and so we'll be hearing at the board level and at the staff level, if you will, from, from the folks that are really trying to make this happen. And they're going to ask you to help support it uh, through various ways, through, through your volunteerism. So uh, I, I hope you'll be as motivated as I am to join in. Now, I want to tell you about the Crystal Awards Gala that is coming up. This is the inaugural Sarcoidosis Crystal Awards Gala. They're calling it Celebrating Connections, Collaboration, and Catalyzing Research. That's a lot to think about. It also describes a lot, but it's on May 24th in Washington, D.C., bringing together the whole Sarcoidosis community. It'll be a, a big, nice evening and there will be clinicians, researchers, advocates from all around the world there in the same room, all the people leading the charge to advance sarcoidosis research and carve a path forward, if you will, towards better treatments and hopefully eventually a cure. And there will be four honorees uh, who will be sort of the focus of this gala, including the receiving the Crystal Award for Excellence in Research and Clinical Care, Marjolene Drent, MD and PhD, an FSR Scientific Advisory Board member, Professor Emeritus at the, on the Faculty of Health, Medicine, and Life Sciences of Maastricht University in the Netherlands, and also a senior guest researcher at the Center of Excellence at St. Antonius Hospital in the Netherlands. The second award will be the Crystal Community Engagement Award, goes to George A. Mensa, MD, the director of the Center for Translation Research and Implementation Science at the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, which is part of the National Institutes of Health. And then the Crystal Spotlight Award goes to Gerald Prescott-Galian. She is an actress, best known for her roles in AMC's The Walking Dead, where she played Jackie, DC Universe's The Swamp Thing, she played Madame Xanadu, Netflix's Resort to Love, she played Naomi King, and then most recently All the Queen's Men, she played Judge Martha. But most importantly, in this case, she is also a sarcoidosis advocate and spokesperson for FSR's Ignore No More African American Women and Sarcoidosis National Campaign, Gerald Prescott Galian. And then the fourth recipient is yours truly. And so I will also be receiving a Crystal Award. And again, this is in Washington, D.C. on May 24th. There's a link in the show notes. And I really hope as many of you as possible will try to make that trek and then just take in maybe some of the sites, enjoy some time in the nation's capital as well. My wife and I are planning to do that. In fact, I just called my congressman's office and I'm really hoping to get a tour of the White House. I have never been to the White House. I've covered a lot of different things in Washington, D.C., but it, my path has never taken me to the White House. I'm kind of going to put on my tourist hat and hope that, that I can do that as well. So coming up, however, today we have my discussion with Angela, Kathy, and Craig, and that is next here on the FSR Sark Fighter podcast. I feel like a zombie just feeding at stumbling Hi 
I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter Podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter Podcast. Welcome back to the Sark Fighter Podcast. And today we are talking about Sarcoidosis Awareness Month. And I've got three guests on the podcast today. Angela O'Malley is the Director of Development for FSR. Kathy Davis is the Senior Communications and Marketing Manager. And Craig Lipset is from the FSR Board of Directors. And we'll be hearing from everybody here to talk about how we can raise awareness for sarcoidosis and and just learn a little bit more about some, some ways to to make all of this work. So everybody, uh, welcome to the podcast this morning. Angela, I want to ask you the first question. If you would, would you just talk a little bit about Sarcoidosis Awareness Month for people who may be new to the community? You know, those of us who've been around a little bit know that April is the month, but for folks who are just kind of dipping their toe in the water, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, John. So um, throughout the year, um, I should back up and say that FSR, it's one of our goals to raise awareness for sarcoidosis through the educational and informational messaging, our programs, initiatives, and events to further increase understanding of the disease and the need for more research and for better treatments. However, during April Sarcoidosis Awareness Month, we want to bring the community um, even more together with all of our stakeholders as we rate as we aim to raise even more awareness and reach more people impacted by sarcoidosis all over the world by providing support networking opportunities for those in the community through events and educating the public about sarcoidosis. During April Sarcoidosis Awareness Month, FSR hosts educational events, networking events, and invites our community to participate in awareness opportunities to help us expand this research efforts and educational reach around the world. Last year, we had a very successful Sarcoidosis Awareness Month, um, and our community joined us for educational, wellness, and social engagements during the month, and over 670,000 people were reached. We helped our we helped our community raise awareness for sarcoidosis last year and it went international. We built our community by participating in the make it visible effort. Last year, over 100 people shared a black and white photo on social media with their story and the make it visible hashtag to make sarcoidosis visible. Additionally, over 26 million steps were taken through our Steps for SART program to represent the 1.2 million people who've been impacted by sarcoidosis worldwide. This year, John, we plan to build on the great success from last year's campaign through April Sarcoidosis Awareness Month and our Stand Up for SART effort. The 2023 campaign theme, Stand Up for SART, represents what we all must do in order to move the needle in sarcoidosis research and patient support efforts. We need the community to come together, pledge what they're going to do to stand up for SARC in April and beyond. We also will be inviting the community to pledge for SARC by raising awareness and participating in initiatives like sharing their story, pursuing progress by advocating for change in legislation, 
raising funds to fuel the groundbreaking research and patient support efforts taking place and supporting one another in, a com in the community to help improve the lives who've been impacted by sarcoidosis. By coming together with the goal of taking a proactive approach to stand up for SARC, we believe that great progress is possible. Outstanding. So last year, we called it the Make It Visible campaign. This year, it's Stand Up for SARC. And, exactly. All right. And, and I know that you've got certain goals that we'll get to uh, here, but let's let's talk a little bit about the Steps for SARC campaign first. So that we got Stand Up for SARC and we've got Steps for SARC, and those those are not the same thing. So, but that's uh, that's a fundraiser, right? So, yes. tell me a little bit more about Steps for SARC. You know, John, Steps for SARC and Stand Up for SARC goes hand in hand. So people can stand up for SARC by taking steps for SARC. That makes sense. So by taking steps for SARC, you're standing up for SARC by raising awareness and raising funds to support um, our efforts. Um, this year, we're going to be hosting a, uh, a, th a third year of Steps for SARC and inviting our community to participate um, in the this year's fundraising and awareness challenge. We hope to build off the incredible success from last year's Make It Visible campaign and raise even more awareness. So throughout the month of April, we're inviting the community to join Steps for SARC program by standing up for SARC. So we know that there are many different ways the community can stand up for SARC and whatever that might look like for someone, again, like sharing your story, advocating for change, participating in events, taking a physical steps in a step challenge throughout the month, whatever it is, all of those are fantastic ways to incorporate fundraising and awareness in your community and in communities all over the world. FSR will be hosting various fundraising challenges throughout the month that the community can incorporate as they are standing up for SARC. So by joining the program, the community, friends, family, colleagues, neighbors can all join in by standing up for SARC through raising awareness and funds in order to drive the progress and change that needs to happen. Okay, so so I'm hearing you say that we're going to have uh, people who are directly in the sarcoidosis community participate and then friends and family can participate. Uh, they can participate by being donors or they can go out and do steps for SARC themselves. And will we be tracking the steps again this year like we did last year? Yeah. The, we, the total if, number? Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we hope to take um, 12 million steps um, as a community. Um, however, we know that, um, again, if not, if not everyone is able to participate in the steps for SARC by taking physical steps, they can invite their family and friends to, to take steps in their honor um, and or um, take other steps to stand up for SARC, like using their voice, um, advocating for a change through legislation, participating in different events, sharing educational messaging. So um, a lot of different ways um, to stand up for SARC and take steps for SARC this year, John. And how do they turn that into a fundraiser if people aren't aware? So let's say, you know what, someone says, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do 10,000 steps a day. And I really want to make that a fundraiser. Do they start their own um, page on KISS or how does that work? 
Yeah, we'll have another um, opportunity online for people to join um, the Steps for SARC online. Um, they can create their own customizable fundraising page. Um, they can share their story um, about how sarcoidosis has impacted their life, um, and they can invite their friends and family to join their team. So they can create a team with their family, with their colleagues, with their community members, um, all to help raise awareness and um, fundraise um, in the Steps for SARC program this year. Right. And then the, I guess what they would do is they would let everybody know through their social media channels or through, you know, meetings one-on-one -on -one over coffee or whatever it is. Exactly. And, exactly. and just say, go, go click on my page and make a donation while I go out and take some steps for Sark. Exactly. Exactly. People can, um, you know, share the link through text messages. They can share the link through email, put the link in their email signature, in their um, bios, on their social media pages. Um, a lot of different creative ways. People can host a, um, a small event or they can walk with a couple friends around their neighborhood, John. And again, um, all in an effort to help raise awareness. I think that, um, you know, by coming together um, and even talking about sarcoidosis, during April um, can lead to great change and in, in significant progress. So um, all of us doing that together collectively um, can really bring about great change. Awesome. I want to bring Kathy in right now, uh, the, the FSR Senior Communications and Marketing Manager, Kathy Davis. So Kathy, uh, what else can somebody do uh, if they want to help raise awareness during April? Hi, John. Uh, that's a good question. You may remember last year we had a really exciting black and white photo challenge that we did on social media where we encouraged people to share a black and white photo of themselves and talk about why raising awareness for sarcoidosis was important to them. And it was incredible the kind of response that we saw. Um, we saw over 100 people participate sharing uh, black and white photos of themselves. And it was really powerful to see. So we kind of wanted to, um, you know, work off of that, but do something a little bit different this year since the theme is stand up for SARC. We want to encourage people to um, participate in social media challenge again by taking a photo of themselves, but this time more like in a pose of like a superhero pose is what we're calling it, where you're being a superhero for SARC and like standing up, you know, Superman style um, and share that on your social media channel. Um, encouraging people to wear purple since that is the color for sarcoidosis if people don't know that. Um, and just, you know, share that out with your community. Um, use the hashtag stand up for SARC and talk about why raising awareness for sarcoidosis and standing up for SARC is important to you. So that's kind of the fun social media challenge that we are um, going to be promoting this year that we'd love to see people participate in. Um, there's also other ways on social media, you know, you, we will be sharing information and resources all month long. So we encourage people to follow and um, share those out with your community for those who may not be familiar with SARC so they can kind of get some background and, you know, maybe learn something and, you know, join the community if they um, are interested in that. Um, so those are a couple of the ways on social that we're encouraging. Um, we're also going to be having a pledge on the website. Um, you may be familiar with like other campaigns that have kind of a pledge where you just fill out, um, you know, why you're standing up for Sark and then you get like this badge that you can share with your community. So we're going to be doing that as well. Um, so it's going to be up on our website and you'll be receiving all this information from us afterwards about different ways that you can stand up for Sark. 
Um, everything from joining the patient registry to participating in clinical trials to, um, you know, sharing resources with, with other people. So we're really excited about the pledge and the social media campaign this year. All right. So the, so that's the social media. So the idea in the Superman pose, did, I heard you say Superman pose. You want to, um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like arms crossed uh, across the chest and you're like looking out over the horizon or, I mean, what, what is the Superman <laughs> pose? Yeah, I mean, people can get creative with it. Um, we've already seen like a couple floating around and some people do like hands on their hips or arms okay. across their chest or they'll right. do like a flying pose and sure. even wear a cape. So, yeah, have fun with it. Yeah, you know, if you're not having fun with it, you <laughs> it's probably not going to work. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I love that. I love that. Um, but nobody like jumping off the roof with their hands out in front of their head, right? Oh, yeah, we should put that out there. Please don't do that. <laughs> no, please. You've got some events planned as well. Tell us a little bit about the events. Yeah, so we we love to plan awareness events. Um, it's a great way for people to get involved and, you know, get together during awareness month. Um, so one thing that we tend to do every year is our Ask the Expert on Inspire Um and Inspire is an online community that we partner with. Um, and there's a sarcoidosis group that has over 70,000 members. And people can go in there and kind of post their questions and respond to other people's posts. And it's it's a really nice uh, community there. Um, so we are asking an expert in the sarcoidosis field to, for a whole week, it's going to be the last week in April, to answer any questions that people may have. So you'll be able to, you know, once that last week in April starts, submit any questions that you have, um, and they'll get back to you um, within that week with kind of, you know, their perspective and their advice. Um, so it's it's a free, you know, platform. Anybody can join and you just need an email. Um, so that's the last week in April. Um, we also will be doing um, a town hall that we're partnering with 23andMe. Um, it's going to be a really interesting topic. It's focused on genetics and sarcoidosis. So that's kind of something that we haven't, you know, had webinars about very much. So I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation. Um, so that's going to be taking place. And then a couple months ago, we held a really, um, really powerful event called a uh, six word storytelling. Um, and everyone like kind of came together and shared six words that like kind of demonstrated their experience with sarcoidosis. And it's, it's almost like a little poem. Um, and it was, it was a really, you know, powerful event. And so we're going to be hosting another one in April, um, and encouraging people to come and share their six word stories with each other. And, and, you know, not just for this event, but you can be doing it, you know, all month long, um, throughout Sarcoidosis Awareness Month on your social media channels, you know, put it in your bios. Um, so those are some of the ones that we have planned this month. Uh, we encourage people to, if you're not already get it already, get in our newsletter um, to sign up for that. And so all this information will be, you know, in your inbox um, and on the website as well. Okay. So tell your sarcoidosis story in six words. And so in my mind, I'm like clicking through all the, all the words. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that, but I'm kind of, kind of a wordy person anyway. Well, all right. So those are things to think about at this time. I want to introduce Craig and bring him into the conversation. Uh, Craig, of course, it, it is a pleasure to meet you. Uh, you're a member of, of the board of directors. 
Um, but I would like to, uh, since this is your first time on the podcast, let's hear about how you became involved with the sarcoidosis community and welcome. Thanks so much, John. It is truly a pleasure to be here with you. I'm such a fan of the uh, Sark Fighter podcast and the community that you've built here. It's really amazing all the work you've been doing to help share good information with people that need it in a world where it's tough to find, even in this vast internet. So my journey, as you pointed out, I, I am on the board for uh, FSR, but my journey started as a, as a patient about 17 years ago. Um, I just had, uh, it was just after the birth of my second child, and I was working in biotech. I was running clinical and regulatory for a young biotech company up in Boston. And we decided to go do the Chase Corporate Challenge that year and go do a fun run together. And John, I could barely walk across the finish line. I had no appreciation of the subtle changes I was making in my life that I was walking, I was avoiding walking upstairs and instead taking the elevator. These these little changes. I just assumed I was getting out of shape. I, I had a second child at home. It was a good reason to sort of say that, you know, I wasn't working out or taking care of myself, but it kept getting worse and it turned into a cough and that cough was productive and I couldn't shake it. So I finally went to the doctor and got some x-rays. I got those x-rays, I'll never forget. It was uh, a Friday afternoon. And the reason I remember it was a Friday afternoon was because my doctor called me on a Friday night. My doctor at the time was an Orthodox Jew. And I remember thinking to myself, this guy's calling me on a Friday night. This isn't gonna be good. Mm. And he called to say that the lymph nodes were funky and maybe it's lymphoma, maybe it's something else. We're gonna have to do some follow-up. And this is a story then that I think a lot of people in your community have lived of this journey of biopsies and scans and other doctors and different diagnoses. But you know, John, I was working in Boston, which is a medical town, in as a as a leader in 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 pharma and biotech and drug development, a white guy with a lot of privilege, right? I knew the community, the medical community. I could call the chief of radiology at Mass General. I knew my way around. And yet still, it took me months to figure out what was going on. And so that was my journey, and at least part of my journey to how I, I wound up uh, certainly getting connected with FSR. So uh, you can't leave me there. You, you've got funky lymph nodes, and your doctor is calling you on a Friday night. What happened? What what they tell oh, you? Was, it, you know, at, at first it was um, this this spooky um, story of lymphoma, um, and then a lot of other differential diagnoses along the way. Um, there was a bio, a lung biopsy, and for those in the audience that have uh, participated in a lung biopsy, it, it's not a fun process. And even that didn't really give us the the type of confirmation because maybe they missed the right spot to sample. Eventually, we got to that diagnosis after several months. Um, a long course with very high doses of prednisone later and things got under control but continue to flare up you know if i if i don't take care of myself and like so many in the community have come to understand what what i need to do to try to keep things under control the best that i can yeah so that was what 17 years ago did you say 17 years and do you are you still taking medication or are you officially in remission 
Nope. Uh, medication every day, keeping things uh, at bay. Um, I managed to avoid uh, COVID until the last couple of weeks uh, and fortunately kept it out of my lungs. So thank you to vaccines, Paxlovid, and anything else out there that helped to contribute to that. Um, I'll say, though, as somebody that typically got a lung infection once a year that was just miserable to shake, the pandemic was kind of good for me. Um, turns out social distancing and wearing masks was uh, just the just the recipe that I needed to finally have a couple of years without a lung infection. Yeah, that's great. I remember people saying there was no flu season during the pandemic because everybody was social distancing. So I guess I guess that worked. So you made your way to the the board of directors now for FSR. And your professional background, you referenced it a couple of times. You were doing medical research. You were there in Boston where many of the big companies are located. Um, how has that expertise been beneficial in supporting the SARC community? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I was thinking um, during that last conversation with Kathy and Angela about six words. And I was thinking about, hmm, what are my six words? Right. And I, I scribbled down on a piece of paper drug developer diagnosed disease without treatment. And that really has become the story of my involvement in, in FSR. Uh, here I was, somebody that, you know, from, I've spent two and a half decades, three decades working in medicine development, and I'm diagnosed with a condition that really doesn't have an approved medicine. And so for me, it became a journey of how can I use my knowledge of medicine development to be able to support the research community and help bring forward a more robust pipeline of new medicines into the field. And so, you know, as, as an example, a lot of our work with the patient registry, our research network, um, these foundational elements for FSR, to me, this was done very deliberately to make it easier for other researchers to come into this field. You know, whether we fear pharma or we embrace pharma, we need pharma companies and biotech companies to take notice of sarcoid and make investments here. That's how we get new medicines through to patients on the other side. But pharma can view a new disease area as very risky. It can view an area like sarcoidosis as hard to enter and uh, with a lot of ambiguity around diagnoses and definitions of endpoints. Where do I run studies and how do I even find patients? And if all of those challenges exist, it makes it a harder area for companies to invest their bigger research dollars. And so FSR continuing to support academic researchers while at the same time laying down the, the, the pavement for the highways, right? The foundation for research with these elements around work around defining endpoints, building out a research network, and the research community, the patients and the caregivers stepping forward through the registry platform to raise their hand and make themselves found so that others that are running studies can make it, well, easier for them. And when it's easier to do research in an area, academic researchers, industry research, researchers can all enter this field and bring their knowledge, their passion, and quite honestly, the money that's needed to help make this a path for new medicines. So well, I, well, yeah, another example yeah. that I'm really excited about, John, I, I spend a lot of time 
working on improving access to research by decentralizing clinical trials. I'm the co-chair of the Decentralized Trials Research Alliance, which is a nonprofit collaboration with about 100 organizations working together to make research more accessible. And just this year, you saw with FSR working with Kinovant on their clinical trial, doing exactly that, making changes to the protocol and the operational approach to make participation feasible for people from home. Some people love going to a research center. They like the high touch of seeing the investigator and the nurses there, and that's a great thing. And for others, getting to a site to participate in research can be a tremendous barrier. And so as we're seeing with this, the first time, really in a study in sarcoidosis, that's interventional, seeing this as an option now for people to participate in a clinic or have some visits from home. That's exactly the type of work I've been doing outside of FSR and thrilled to see the sarcoid community now be able to take advantage. You know, when you when you put it all together like that, I'm seeing FSR for the for the first time. I mean, I know that intuitively what FSR does is work with pharmaceutical companies and try and help them advance the cause and so forth. But but if it was not for FSR and a strong FSR, these companies wouldn't even be considering going into this research. Is that fair? Absolutely. Look, FSR has a lot of important strategic priorities right now, supporting patients through the Clinic Alliance, supporting researchers in universities. Industry research is an important piece of that puzzle, especially if we want to get a medicine out of a lab through testing, manufactured and delivered to your pharmacy shelf so it's available for you. All of that latter part that I described, we need as patients so that we can go to the pharmacy and get a treatment. It has to happen in partnership with those folks in industry. But those folks in industry, they have a lot of dollars to invest in research, but there are a lot of diseases on the roadmap that they could be considering. Now, sarcoidosis, as we know, immune-mediated inflammatory disorder. There's a lot of diseases that sort of fall into that category. I could be spending that money on lupus or rheumatoid arthritis or psoriasis or psoriatic arthritis or dozens of other indications where treatment options could be similar or on the same cascade of events that I might want to target as a, as, a, as a researcher or as a pharmaceutical company. So why would I want to make a stop in the universe of sarcoidosis if those other disease areas are just easier for me to do research? Easier because we know what to measure, where to run studies, how to find patients. And so these investments of FSR in terms of making it easier and engaging with those companies to be a part of our ecosystem, along with patients and caregivers, along with academic researchers, along even with policymakers, is just such a critical part of this ecosystem that's needed to get me and you and all of your listeners, the treatments that we deserve. So how did you go from Craig Lipset, the patient, to Craig Lipset, the FSR board of directors member? <laughs> you know, it, it, with thinking about those uh, those six words, it, it kind of felt like it was my destiny, right? I, I, I guess as I'm thinking about my superhero pose, now maybe I'm thinking about my, uh, my destiny in this journey, but as somebody that's worked in medicine development for years, diagnosed with a condition that doesn't have a clear treatment, I, I almost felt a, 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 a certain internal 
demand that I had to do something to help them manifest and, and set some path for new medicine. So I could either go on a road of trying to create my own organization or to partner up with folks that already created some great infrastructure. When I got involved with FSR, it was very much leaned toward a traditional advocacy group model. It was very much focused back then that 15 years ago, the way so many patient organizations had been back then. We raise money, we partner with academics, we fund grants. Money comes in, money goes out. And then we started to see these really interesting models starting to emerge for much more progressive uh, research foundations, um, looking at models like the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation or the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation. And these organizations had really pioneered this story that nonprofit and advocacy groups can raise money, but they don't have to just give it all away to researchers with the best grant. That's a part of the story. But the other part is we should be owning and defining a research agenda and then tackling that research agenda as an important stakeholder in the process. And so it's been about over the last five, seven, nine years that FSR made this pivot, continuing to support academic research, but also making these other important investments that you're seeing today, whether it's in the, the clinic alliance, whether it's in the registry or in so many other foundational areas that FSR is investing in and helping to own to support our community. Well, that that is a lot. So now we've, you've got, uh, you've been involved at the board level. So we've, we've talked a lot about um, the, the Global SARC Alliance on the podcast and so forth. Um, but when you look forward to what's going to happen with FSR, and if you could give us a little bit of a glimpse into what we can begin to expect or where people should throw their support right now for future success, would it be the Alliance? Would it be research? What what? How can people help? You know, when I think about what FSR has to do and the strategic plan for FSR in this period forward, for me as a researcher, my eyes are all on how do we support better, smarter investments in research and in research infrastructure and continue, as you've seen over these last few years, of these thoughtful and, and partnerships in ways that maintain trust with our patients, but partnering and bringing industry in, because now we're seeing the fruits of that. We're seeing clinical trials for new medicines and sarcoidosis like pause on that for a moment that didn't happen a couple of years ago and and right like i i work in this space i've worked in this space for for three decades we did not have clinical trials for new medicines and sarcoidosis at most we had some repurposing of existing treatments for other immune mediated indications and those were important and good right looking at infliximab looking at humora or other approved biologics and could somebody maybe repurpose it take something that's approved for rheumatoid arthritis tested in sarcoidosis but now for the first time we're seeing real new medicines that were purposely designed to address the sarcoidosis community and multiple from different organizations. So this is a great sign. And I certainly want to see FSR continue to invest where it needs to, to support that type of pipeline. So much of that though, traces back 
to that patient journey. I shared that little anecdote about my journey, and my journey, again, is one of a of a of, of a pretty well privileged patient who knew how to navigate that health system. And so, without investing upfront in a clinic infrastructure and helping with education, so that people can understand a diagnosis understand treatment options be able to find well-qualified care locations without that pipeline for humans for patients to get aware and connected the whole research system stalls and so this is one very large connected story but it's a story that's needed i think as i think about the future here john for me so much of this falls back to areas like the registry, showing that every person can get involved in research. For some people, they might choose to get involved in a clinical trial and maybe look to see and participate in screening if that new medicine in that trial is right for them. But everybody can participate in a registry. It's what we call observational research. There's no intervention. There's no new drug to try. It's just sharing data, but sharing data in a way, in a trusted way that can answer important research questions and show the researchers that you're raising your hand as at least interested in other research opportunities should they surface. And of course, you know, there are ways, again, for all of us to participate going forward with initiatives like Stand Up for SARC, like we were just mm -hmm. talking about. Right. So yeah. I guess yeah. my my big call to action for the SARC warriors out there would be certainly to stand up for SARC, but also to look into ways that you can raise your hand to participate in research. And the easiest first step for that is to participate in a registry at FSR. Yeah, and that's very easy to do. You go I, and and uh, Kathy or Angela, maybe you could help me out here. But you just go to the website. I did it so long ago, I can't remember what I did. Uh, but it was one of the very first things I did when I was kind of discovering FSR back in the day. Um, do one of you want to just quickly tell us how people can join that registry? Yeah, thanks, John. Um, we definitely have it all plastered all throughout the website yeah. on the homepage. There's carousels about it. There's different buttons. We try to make it as easy as possible. So if you if you get to the website, there will be something there encouraging you to join. Okay. And you just basically share your information, but that creates a data set. And Craig, that's, you know, if you if you're a researcher out there and and you've kind of maybe got the beginning of an idea that you're looking for a disease where you want to make a difference, you see, wow, there's already all this data out there. So you don't have to create that. You just sort of proceed and you know that there's a strong organization that can help you navigate some of that. So you can very quickly find out what you need to know to take the next steps. Registries are such an important cornerstone for research, right? They they give us voice of the patient and help us to understand the different treatment journeys that all of us have been taking. But what's so important to make a registry work is trust and to know that a group like FSR isn't just publicly sharing uh, your anonymized data, because remember, we're not sharing people's identities through these right. types of platforms. You're you're protected and anonymized, but you're also ensuring that a group like FSR and their scientific advisors are making sure that it's qualified researchers with important research questions. 
that can be posed against this data. Um, and then we can do exactly what you said. We can answer important research questions. We can start to trigger and activate new interventional clinical trials. And by the way, help to show policymakers, the legislators, your elected officials, how many folks in their district are being impacted in different ways by sarcoidosis and help turn those policymakers into our champions and advocates by appreciating how many people are impacted in their voting constituents. Yep. All that makes a big difference, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Well, and so I just want to know now that you uh, have been treated and you uh, have you been out and have you run again? Have you tried to finish that initial run that you did 17 years ago where you were barely crossing the finish line? John, running is not my game, and I still am somebody who avoids flights of stairs, uh -huh. uh, but I'm really good at walking on good flat terrain, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, I've gotten more confident with my family that if there's a hill to climb, we can climb that hill. We're just going to do it at my pace. Very uh, good. <laughs> and if others need to run ahead, that's fine, but I'm going to get there. Very good. Uh, I'm, I just, I had to get that story to go full circle, so we don't want to leave people hanging. Well, listen, I want to congratulate you and the board for everything that you have done to take this organization to the next level. And we've gone from maybe one clinical trial to nine or 10 now. I, Angela or Kathy, I, the number has been changing. I don't want to short. Is it 10? Is it nine? Do you know off the top of your head? Yeah, so it was nine. Um, it's now eight because the ninth um, has closed. So they're analyzing the data. Yeah. Um, so moving forward, um, and we'll, we'll, uh, we're excited to see where that goes. But um, yeah, significantly, sure. significantly um, uh, more than, than in the last few years, as Craig mentioned. Yeah, well, I've talked to enough pharma companies here on the podcast to know that um, they would not be dipping their toe in our water if they didn't see a strong FSR that could help them navigate what they need to get to before they start looking at molecules and, and, and cells in the body and that sort of thing. So, uh, and so Craig, I just want to, uh, I want to congratulate you and the board for positioning FSR in the proper place. Well, it's, it's really exciting to see. It obviously takes a lot of different stakeholders for this to happen. Staff like on the team, like Angela, Kathy, and so many others within FSR are grinding it out day after day to help make sure that all of our stakeholders out there, from patients to investigators to farm and regulators, are kind of all staying connected and, and aware of each other's work. And then, John, your evidence of just how much every person out there is able to do, right? As I mentioned, some people it's gonna be, I wanna participate in Stand Up for SARC and others, I can participate in research or in one way or another. And you're just evidence that, you know, everyone out there can bring their voice forward in different ways, leveraging their skills and talents. And you, sir, clearly have a talent here. So I'm really, I'm really glad that you've chosen to deploy this talent of yours to benefit the sarcoidosis community. Well, thank you. I, I do appreciate that. And and it comes it comes from the same place that, that your commitment does, because you start out with sarcoidosis and then you say, how can I find something that I can do where I can help? And that's that's what the podcast is all about. And, and that's how you got on the board of directors. So it's a it's a similar path. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, I want to just wrap things up here. Um, 
Angela, maybe uh, you could just take one more stab at uh, reiterating uh, what we're asking people to do during Sarcoidosis Awareness Month. Yeah, absolutely, John. So, you know, we we hope that the sarcoidosis community will come together, stand up for SARC by taking steps for SARC. Um, There's so many different ways, um, as you mentioned, to uh, get involved um, and to make progress possible. Um, and we need to come together um, for Sarcoidosis Awareness Month and, and beyond. Um, and it's critical for us all to invest um, in a brighter future for themselves and for those impacted by sarcoidosis. Um, yeah okay well everything everything that everybody does goes into the the funding for this organization and you know as a nonprofit, it's extremely difficult to to find that money and we can't do the things that we need to do to be effective unless everybody pitches in a little bit but uh but if everybody does then it just makes it that much easier. No one person has to do all that heavy lifting. So Kathy, uh, right now, specifically, we're looking for people during the month of April to do what? Um, to, to share their story and to take, uh, take action for sarcoidosis by, uh, you know, taking the pledge, sharing your story and resources on social media, Connect in with the community, attend an event, join in the registry. It's it's a long list, but specifically taking the pledge and standing up for Sark, and then everything else is going to follow. So send in your Superman pictures, send in your six-word stories. Um, I, I actually sent in uh, a video last night, just a 45-second video that talked about, you know, my little story and and why I thought it was important to do what it what it is that I do with with the organization and I know people are sending in videos as well but does that does that um what what do you get the most of I'm just curious are, are most people likely to send a, a photo or a superman pose or or is there no no uh one most popular thing um, it seems to fluctuate. I think the photos have been pretty popular this year, but we right. love the videos because it really kind of amplifies the actual voice of the person. So love to see videos. They tend to do, you know, really well, you know, TikTok's all the rage. So yeah, yeah send in videos. We love it. Okay, great. Well, thank you uh, all for all that you do. Angela O'Malley, the Director of Development, Kathy Davis, our Senior Communications and Marketing Manager, and Craig Lipset a member of the FSR Board of Directors and a fellow SARC fighter from the patient side as well. Thank you all for joining me here today. I feel like a zombie Just feeding at stumbling Let me just say that FSR is so blessed. We're all so blessed to have such dedicated folks like Angela and Kathy who bring their passion to their job every day, trying to advance the cause. And of course, Craig now working at the board level together, they're making a dent in the fight. And none of us would have the hope that we have without their dedication and hard work. So thank you to all of them. I want to remind you, there's a bonus episode coming out soon. I'm hoping next week, uh, and that'll be a recording of a town hall that I hosted talking about the latest drug and the most promising drug currently uh, in production, if you will, in the, in the going through the, the various clinical research stages, but it's Efsofitamod, stage three clinical trial. And so we'll be looking at that town hall 
featuring uh, Sanjay Shukla, the CEO of ATIRE, Mary, Mary McGowan, the CEO of FSR, fellow patient and volunteer Jim Kuhn, and also Dr. Ariel from Innova Sarcoidosis Center in Northern Virginia, founding member of the FSR Global Sarcoidosis Alliance. And we'll be looking at uh, all the different ways that that uh, that ATIRE is trying to advance the cause of efsafitamide, and you are going to hear how it is so close to breaking through. They still do need more patients to participate in that trial. Until they get to that number of patients, we will not have the conclusion of that stage three clinical trial, and that drug won't be available. So listen, listen for that bonus episode, hopefully coming out in uh, about mid-April here of 2023. Uh, so that will be uh, something to look forward to. I also want to remind you that I've been talking about this. Our fellow Sark fighter Royce Robertson is doing a fundraising bike ride that'll take him three days as he rides from west to east across the state of New York along the Barge Canal, and he's going to go about a third of the way across the state, and that's saying a lot because East to West, New York is a very long state. Uh, he's calling his event Cycle for Sark. I had hoped to join him, but schedules aren't going to work out. So he's going without me this year, but I have made a donation to his account, which is part of KISS, Kick In to Stop Sarcoidosis. We talk about that on every single podcast, and all the info to donate is in the show notes. Or you go to the FSR website and then you click on Join Team KISS and just scroll down a little bit and you'll see Royce's page called Cycle for Sark. And so we're doing all we can to support Royce. And I can see a day somewhere in the future where a lot of us get on our bicycles and we all ride together with matching jerseys and we're raising money collectively and it becomes a huge fundraiser for FSR. Royce is planting the seeds. He's got a couple of people going with him. He's looking for more. And I just hope that that you'll either support him by riding your bicycle or making a donation in honor of all the hard work that he is doing. And this will, this will not be an easy task, even for a dedicated cyclist. And of course, Royce, uh, Royce has trouble with his heart, and he can only go just so hard because of Sark. The official Sark Fighter song is called Zombie by Mark Steyer and his band, The White Hot Lizards. His story, the story behind the lyrics, is in episode 12. That seems so long ago, but I think this podcast is so much better because we have the official song, Zombie. Occasionally, I do play the entire song for you at the end of an episode, so you'll just have to listen, and maybe you'll get lucky and hear the whole song. Remember, I release the Sark Fighter podcast every other Monday. As I am speaking today, my trusty boxer Dougal is curled up on the chair in my office. I adopted him from the local SPCA, and he makes my life so much better. I just love Dougal. Don't forget the backstory to the founding for the Sarcoidosis, the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research is episode 11 with Andrea and Redding Wilson. It's a fascinating story. Andrea is our fellow Sark fighter there. Don't forget to follow the Sark fighter on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, even on Peloton as a Sark fighter. I have a blog called Carl and the Cyclist with a section called Cycling with Sarcoidosis. You may find something there, even if you don't ride your bike, that kind of rings a bell for you when you started to slow down or 
started to feel some of the difficulty or tried to fight through some of the difficulty in your day-to-day life, it's not just about cycling, trust me. And if you're new here and you're just trying to figure out what SARC is, go back and listen to episode two with Dr. Simon Hart. We went over sarcoidosis 101. What is it? What's it look like? What do we know about the causes and what do we know about how it functions in our body and why our bodies just cannot seem to to trigger the right thing to turn off sarcoidosis. And all that's back in episode two. And my story is episode one. Please send me an email if you'd like. It's in the show notes, and you can find that at carlinagency at gmail.com or just go to the show notes. I appreciate your interest in the podcast. It helps me reach more people and grow the show, grow the effectiveness of the cause. If you just share it on your social media, I appreciate that so much. And if you like it, just tell one other person. Just one person. That'll help so much. Please also give the show a nice review on on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcasts and listen to this one. And until next time, keep fighting. Learn to suffer, you feel pain someday. Learn endurance, your strength will fade away.